Exurgat Deus disipentur inimici eius et fugiancio deunteum a facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas apracamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, quiat perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Speculum justitiae, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvieremus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> so, I got a confirmation and a little bit of a wider opening of a picture that I didn't fully comprehend, but I did like the fireworks. I saw, I saw the fireworks and I rather enjoyed them. And the fireworks I'm talking about is the interview with Tucker Carlson and Ted Cruz, where Tucker Carlson called Ted Cruz to task for referring to the January 6th disturbance and the people who invaded the Capitol. And I'm going to say invaded the Capitol as my best... <clears throat> the best possible word to use given the circumstances. Um, because, I mean, they clearly didn't, you know, destroy the Capitol. They didn't, like, there wasn't, it's not like there was huge amounts of property damage or anything like that. But it was most definitely an invasion. And like our southern border, <laughs> sometimes the government just lets them in. So... And we and we've all seen the video where, you know, the police have pulled back the barricades and invited them in and people are taking selfies with the cops and this, that and the other. Like we've seen those videos. So we know that the Capitol building on January 6th was very much like the southern border of the United States. Only it was a few hundred people who invaded instead of a few hundred thousand. Now. <clears throat> he Tucker Carlson called Ted Cruz to task. For using the word terrorist to describe the invaders on January 6th. And I enjoyed watching Ted Cruz get raked over the coals like that because he deserved it. <clears throat> but I did not have, and I didn't talk about it because I didn't really have a fuller picture. Until about five minutes ago, when I was just watching the Russell Brand um, coverage of, an, of a, uh, an opinion piece basically referring obliquely to the Uniparty, where the government and the elites are basically just doing what they can do in order to retain their elite status and their power. <clears throat> and so hat tip to Russell Brand. Um, I can't say that I agree with his conclusions on, on a lot of things, but occasionally he has these flashes of brilliance and the fact that he actually just reads the news and then he comments on him, like most of us uh, talking heads do these days. You get the news, you get the news article, you get the words that were said. And so you have 
like the deeper context, even if you don't necessarily agree with the commentary. It's one of the reasons why Tim Pool is as popular as he is, although he's getting a little bit more commentary heavy with a lot of what he's talking about, um, which is really funny because you can't be wishy-washy. And, uh, well, anyway, I'm not, I'm not even going to digress on that one. <clears throat> the thing is, is that the other dot that I was missing was the recent passage of a law that failed to pass in Florida until Governor Ron DeSantis showed video footage in a prop in basically a propaganda advertisement trying to pump up and get the law passed that basically buttressed the George Floyd protests, the riots, all of the burning cities, and then buttressed that right up against the cap- the the Capitol riot. And they were able to get anti-protest legislation passed. Why was Ted Cruz referring to the January 6th people as an insurrection and terrorists? Not because he was necessarily following the media, but because he was following the elite uniparty plan to get some legislation done so that they could actually have further tools to crack down on the citizenry. Without this, without actually, because in, let's be real, if the Republicans tried to pass the legislation without citing January 6th, then they're not going to get Democratic support to pass the legislation. And the Democrats aren't going to get Republican support to pass the legislation. And so by agreeing that George Floyd, the George Floyd, pro, uh, well, the, the George Floyd riots and then the Capital City riot are basically two sides of the same coin. They can get the impetus for the Department of Justice to form a domestic terrorism group. And that was the plan all along. They couldn't just have it be one side. Why? Because you have ideologues on both sides. The goal was to take away more freedom. The goal is to take away more freedom. That's the goal of the Build Back Better plan. That's the goal of the Great Reset. That's the goal of government in general, because government because government wants to grow, wants to become more large, wants to become more oppressive, wants to become more controlling. That's the direction of government all the time. Without the check and balance of God. And I spoke about this at length yesterday. But this is just the new piece. The confirmation, you could say, of the uniparty. The fact that it is the elites on both sides of the aisle. And we already knew it. We knew that Mitch McConnell, I mean, let's be real. What did the Republicans actually say while the while the cities were burning down across the, the United States? Did anybody come out and call for somebody to crack down on these people? No. The Democrats raised money to bail these people out of jail, and the Republicans stayed silent. The only ostensible Republican who was actually saying anything about it whatsoever was Donald Trump and some talking heads who didn't actually have any real legislative power. And that's the key. People like Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity 
and even Tucker Carlson to a degree, because I don't think he really fully comprehend. Like, I don't think he actually has that aspect of it. I don't think he fully understands that by coming out and calling January 6th a terrorist act by terror or an action by terrorists, Ted Cruz gave himself up as part of the machine. And that's what was actually happening. That was what Tucker Carlson was looking for. He he had the right instinct to call Ted Cruz on it. But when you're missing extra pieces of the picture, you don't really know where to go with it. And so super kudos to, te- to Tucker Carlson for just putting it out there saying, hey, this doesn't look right. That seems wrong. And even at the end of the interview, Tucker concluded the interview by saying, well, I guess I just don't believe you. Because he knew he was being fed a line of crap. Because Ted Cruz was doing what he could to do damage control to make sure that he did not alienate himself from the quote-unquote Republican base. But the fact is, is Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz exposed himself as being not just another p- politician, but a particularly contemptible politician. Because it's contemptible that he would say what he said on the floor of the Senate, calling for further legislation, calling for further controls, and then to try and come out and say, well, yeah, I, you know, I said the word terrorists, but I didn't really mean Trump supporters. Because that's basically what he tried to do. But everybody who was paying attention probably were sitting right alongside Tucker Carlson at that moment going, yeah, well, I guess I just don't believe you. But the significance of that, particularly when taken in line with what Governor Ron DeSantis did in order to get his equivalent legislation passed in Florida, should be terrifying. Because it means, with, with, this, with this one little piece of a movement, see, we know that Mitch McConnell is an establishment hack. We know that he's one of the elites that doesn't actually care about the little people. We know this is true about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. We know this is true, by and large, with Democrats and Republicans across the board. But now we know for sure, even the ones that we generally think are our allies, aren't. And so I will say this. If I had to choose in 2024 between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, I'll take Donald Trump. Because what Ted Cruz did exposed Ron DeSantis, which means all of that really cool stuff that Ron DeSantis was doing, you cannot trust him. Generally, anybody who saw the advertisement where they butted George Floyd riots with all of the burning buildings and the people getting beaten, etc., and then putting that right alongside the Capitol, the January 6th riot, That should right there exclude, excuse me, 
expose and thereby disqualify Ron DeSantis from any further office beyond the governorship of Florida. And truth be told, I got to be honest with you, if I were in Florida, it would it would disqualify him from further service even as the governor. <clears throat> I don't know how many people are paying attention to this. And I got and like in all honesty, I know I do know that if you listen to this podcast, then chances are you look at the Republicans, you look at the Democrats and you go, I really don't like either side. But you're generally willing to swallow the bitter pill of the Republican Party just because. Because for the most part, (laughs) they may only slow down our march towards some weird totalitarian state, but they do at least slow it down. And let's be real. The economy is usually pretty good under Republicans. So we don't tend to miss those freedoms. But they've been attacking our liberty since COVID. Time and time and time and time and time again. They've been pushing these immoral jabs. They've been looking for any excuse that they can that they can muster in order to enslave the entire population, not just of the United States, but the population of the United States, the population of Canada, the population of Central and South America, the population of Europe, the population of Central Asia and of, and even of Eastern Asia, although China's China and North Korea pretty much have that on lock. These people have been trying to lock down the world and get everybody who's not an upper level elite to become a servant. And so for anybody who was thinking that maybe Governor Ron DeSantis was the way to go, I can tell you now with absolute clarity, he is not. He's not. Ted Cruz is not. And for all the bluster, I'd rather Donald Trump, because at least Donald Trump is entertaining. We'll end up back in that hyper-polarized fight. We'll end up screaming at each other and, and, and trying to tear out each other's hair and, you know, basically cat fighting all the way to the, all the way to the end. But at least at a minimum, it'll be entertaining while it's happening. The problem that I have with the whole thing now is I'm not even getting good entertainment value out of it. I would settle for entertaining. Now, for those of you who are listening to this and going, what? Why? We've been talking about fighting and this, that, and the other. No. I told you, we're not going to dodge what we have coming to us. We're not going to dodge a totalitarian state. We're going to have to go through the totalitarian state. And then we're going to have to pass through that totalitarian state into a heavily corrupt state, etc. The bottom line is, is no matter what happens, by 2028, we will be a banana republic fully. Fully. Assuming we don't balkanize somewhere in the process. And balkanization, decentralization, by breaking up the union is the best choice because at least then you can reach 
your politicians. I mean, if I really wanted to make my voice heard, I can drive the hour to the state capitol and camp out in front and camp out in front of the, the government buildings and distribute flyers and protest and march and stand there. Actually, I'm the kind of guy who's going to stand there with a sandwich board. <clears throat> it's probably going to read something like repent for the end is nigh or something like that, because at this point, who are we kidding? The end is nigh. It's not nigh for the whole world. It is most definitely nigh for the United States. We cannot turn this around. And we cannot turn this around, not because they're too powerful, but because they've managed to dupe a large enough and loud enough portion of the population to make sure that we continue down this road. And while it is only 20% of the population at most, that's still a very loud, very screechy, very, oh my God, would they just go away portion of the population. And for the record, I do actually pray that prayer every day. Heavenly Father, would they just please go away? Convert them, kill them, flush them down the toilet. I don't know. Just find something. Just make them go away. Please, God. But we're at the point now where even if they do go away, even, even if our Lord starts calling some of these people to their eternal reward or punishment, we still got a long way to go. There is actually nobody who should not be looking at this at a two, as a 200-year plan. We need to be going out and preaching the gospel. Preaching both with word and deed. We need to be going out and actually teaching people what the Catholic Church teaches and requires. We need to be correcting the record on the history with as many people as possible. The actual history of the Church. Not the black myths that have been spread about by communists and Freemasons and Protestants, the actual truth of what happened. Until we do that, and it's not, let's be real, it's not like we're going to reach hundreds of thousands of people and suddenly strike the conversions of thousands, if not millions. There are a few podcasts out there who are doing that where they're reaching hundred where they're reaching dozens and hundreds of people and managing to bring them to conversion. But we need to remember that each and every one of us, even 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 you who are listening to me talk about it, who for whatever reason have chosen to not have a voice, and to be sure, I mean, as easy as it is to create this podcast, there's really honestly no reason why everybody can't do it except that they choose not to. And that's not a bad thing either. Because being able to preach the gospel at your work, through your word and deed, words and deeds, 
that'll be more than sufficient for many. It's one of the reasons why this podcast has never gone black pill. Even when I said, hey, there's nothing we can really do to stop the motion. This isn't a black pill thing. We're Catholic. Persecution is kind of our shtick. Suffering is kind of our thing. It's figuring out how to suffer well and suffer for the sake of our Lord that actually separates. It's it's not about getting out of the suffering. It's not about somehow dodging the bullet. It's never been the case when it comes to Catholicism, which is why this podcast isn't a black pill. You figure out what it is that you think you can suffer, and then you prepare in order to try and buttress yourself against the things that you don't think you can. And remember that all of your preparation may mean nothing if our Lord is determined to test you in ways you're not ready for. And none of that's a bad thing. None of it's a bad thing. The whole point is to remind ourselves that that we are supposed to be praying, Thy will be done. It's about God's will. It's not about our will. We're not supposed to be stupid. That's why prudence is one of the cardinal virtues. But we do also have to understand that there's a limit to how far we should should really be going. And exactly how much of our Lord's will we're going to be, we're supposed to be trying to thwart, which is in all honesty, it's supposed to be none. But, you know, we're cowards and we're scared and we don't like to suffer. I mean, it's just going to be instinct. It's not a good thing. But it is kind of just the reality of who we are. So just because I've said that there's no avoiding what's coming, just because I said there's no avoiding the immense suffering that we're all going to that we're all going to face, and all of us are going to face it in various forms. I count myself kind of fortunate ish that the choice I made about the jo- about the job with the space exploration company actually had like it was a choice to not choose something that was going to bring more material wealth it was not a choice to try and retain the material wealth that i have and that's kind of the key thing so while it was you know i was glad to be able to prove that yes in fact i'm going to stand on my principles no matter what That wasn't a difficult choice for me. We're talking about turning down an improvement for my current status. It wasn't my company coming down and saying, hey, we're going to force we're going to force this thing. And me looking and going, oh, crap, I'm going to have to quit. Or I'm going to have to let myself be fired. And so while I'm 
grateful for those people who, who supported me on social media, who, you know, everybody who liked and shared what I, what I shared about it in social media. The fact remains is that the reason why I shared it was because I really wasn't worried about the graces. It was more important. It was more important to set the example that we cannot be led by our wallets or our crotches or our hearts. We have to be led by what we know to be true, what we know to be good. So it wasn't about, so I like, I looked at it because I was, honestly, I debated staying silent about the whole thing. Because I was like, well, you know, if I talk about it, there's going to be like, I'm going to lose grace. But I'm not complaining about it. Did it bother me to make the choice? Well, yeah, I mean, come on. Talking about $40,000 annual pay raise. It's going to be that. That's not peanuts. <laughs> that would launch me well ahead of the of the exploding curve of inflation. Like, I'm not a fool. <clears throat> but I'm also not on the chopping block. You know, this wasn't a great suffering for me. It was just enough to remind people that we have to stick to our principles. And in sticking with our principles, we also have to be smart. We have to be as wise as serpents, as clever as serpents. We have to understand that it doesn't matter who you vote for as far as party affiliation. What matters is the individual that you're voting for. Where are your red lines? Where are the things that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt these things must happen? Things like the cessation of the abortion industry and the, and the dead baby body part industry. What Bishop Athanasius Schneider refers to as the fetal industry. You know, the, 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 big, business of, the big business of selling fetus. What matters are, is, you know, the faith, our families, our communities, our parishes. Federal government doesn't really matter. The will of God is what matters. Everything else is secondary. At best, everything else is secondary. So we have to be aware of when people like Ron DeSantis and Ted Cruz aren't actually doing what we think they're doing. See, because the Democrats, by and large, all of the establishment Democrats, Biden, Biden, Pelosi, all of them, they are our enemies. They're actively our enemy. They're upfront about it. Like they will straight tell you dirty little Trump voters, deplorables, etc. Stinky Walmart people, whatever. Take your pick. They will actually deride and denigrate you to your face. The real threat to our Lord wasn't the Pharisees. 
It was Judas Iscariot, one of his apostles. That was actually the threat to our Lord. He knew, our Lord knew that, that the Pharisees wanted him dead. And truth be told, he knew, I mean, granted, he knew that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. But the scenario as it plays out for the rest of the apostles, for the rest of humanity who does not have the God's eye view straight into the heart and soul of every human being, the drama that plays out was that one of his own sold him out. So you have to be careful of who it is that you consider your own. One of our own sells us out. Cardinal Supich, Catholic, sells us out. The Pope, Catholic, sells us out. Our bishop, Catholic, sells us out. And I'm not saying our bishop, meaning like my bishop in particular, but possibly your local bishop is selling you out. Your parish priest might be selling you out. They've managed to push us to the point where our sons and our daughters, our brothers and our sisters, our cousins, our parents are selling us out. That is the dangerous part. So we cannot necessarily lock ourselves in saying, I'm going to vote Republican ticket all the way down the line, or I'm going to vote Libertarian ticket all the way down the line. If you're Catholic and you're voting Libertarian, you like, I question that, honestly. <clears throat> but you can't necessarily just go, okay, I'm part of this team. Because what's going to happen, what's going to happen is in this day and age, you're going to mess around and get sold out. And since you don't have the God's eye view, being able to look into the hearts and minds of those around you, even those people who claim to be on your side, you still got to, you have to pay attention. We cannot afford to be on a team. To be sure, without a doubt, it very much, it very likely broke the hearts of the other 11 and maybe somebody had some kind of idea, but it very much probably broke the hearts of the other 11 that Judas would betray him. It'd be interesting to know St. Peter's direct view, since he was there when it happened. And he would be, honestly, let's be real, he would be the most likely to be angry about it. He'd be most likely to be the one to be like, Because, you know, he's kind of brash. <laughs> Even though he would deny our Lord hours later. Which might be the other thing that you might want to take away from the whole thing. Those who were very, very pro-Ted Cruz, Ron DeSantis, and that sort of style of Republican. They may also be the ones to deny you. They may also be the ones to deny the faith. 
Now, to be sure, I mean, part of the story is, is that there's repentance there. It's a very important part of the story, to be sure. Repentance, redemption, that whole thing. But that's what we're going to have to deal with. I'm very glad to just get enough of a glimpse behind the curtain to be able to see that the people who everybody's talking about, well, who's going to run? Well, maybe we should vote for Ron DeSantis because, you know, Ron DeSantis doesn't have the Trump baggage. At this point, now that I know what I know, I'll take the Trump baggage. I'll take all of the Trump baggage because I know what I'm dealing with, with the orange man. But I don't know exactly how deep the rabbit hole goes in the betrayal that goes for the rest of the establishment, that goes for the rest of the people who are managing to make names for themselves. Now, there are some distinctive names that, you know, immediately bubble up where I go, "Eh, I probably don't have to worry about them just yet. I probably don't have to worry about Marjorie Taylor Greene just yet. I probably don't have to worry about Lauren Boebert just yet. (laughs) They don't. And all like let's let's be real. They don't really seem like they're all that well accomplished politicians. And I could be mistaken. Which is also the other reason why I don't really pay that close attention to them too much. Because eventually, if something comes out that they are being well, no, let me back up. If they are being duplicitous, if they are being shady, sketchy. Pick your, pick your ag- adjective. It will eventually come out that they are being disingenuous and that they cannot be trusted. They will eventually do something or say something vis-a-vis Ted Cruz, who did something and said something that all of a sudden have, has you looking at them going, wait a minute. And as well, you should be. I've heard it said that a leopard doesn't change its spots. But politicians aren't leopards. And while they may not be able to permanently change their spots, they can maybe spread a little bit of charcoal in their fur so you can't tell. And that, it's kind of painful to say that, Kind of, because, you know, I'd like to, honestly, I would love the sunshine and rainbows and lollipops and that that whole deal where everything is just kosher and it's happy and it's, and it's friendly and frolicky and we're in the eternal kingdom, but it's still on this earth. But let's be real. We all know that's not going to happen. We know that the only way we get to that point is by allowing ourselves to suffer now by doing the penance and making and prayers and, and doing the penance and praying the prayers and making the supplication and reparation by doing the things that we need to do to mortify our flesh, mortify our, mortify our consciences, consciousness as and to make sure that we're following our Lord as yeah. I, yeah. And that's why I said I, I had to correct that one because it wasn't consciences. It was consciousness is which is not a really 
easy word. To, wow, that really is a tough word to say. I'm going to have to write that one down. Try to master that one. <clears throat> but we have to mortify our base impulses. And we have to follow our Lord. I really wish I would have just said that sentence in the first place. We have to mortify our flesh. Mortify our base impulses. Deny ourselves so that we can see clearly. And follow the truth. Take shelter under Our Lady's mantle and tuck ourselves into the wound of Our Lord's Sacred Heart. And know that the world hated Him and they're going to hate us. And not shy away from it. And in that you might actually catch the glimpses that you need to see to know exactly who's taken up with this world. And top of that list right now, of all of those potential Republican presidential nominees, are Ted Cruz and Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Thereby proving, even the good ones not so good. <laughs> it means that you can't go with the big names. You got to go with your local ones. That's really what it means. It means that you have to go with the people whom you meet, whom you know, whom you get to know. Spend time with their family, take them out to eat, go dancing, dinner, whatever. Do whatever it is that you got to do to get to know them so that this way, when they say, I'm throwing my hat in the ring and this is what I want to do, you know them, you can hold them accountable, you can just pick up the phone and go, hey, you remember when you said you were going to do X, Y, and Z? Why haven't you? You remember when you said you were going to def defend us from Alpha, Beta, and Gamma? Why haven't you? You can do that with your mayor. You can actually do that with your congressman. You can do it. Slightly less so with your governor, but you can do it with your, you know, your state senate and your assembly and whatever. Well, however, however your state governments are structured. You can do that with your local judges and your local prosecutors. You can do that with your local sheriff. All of those people who are elected, you should actually get to know them. It's not a matter of, oh, hey, they're running for sheriff. Cool, I'll just vote for them and this way whatever happens, happens. No. You need to know these people. You need to know that you can trust these people. Because me, sitting all the way up here in Montana, I look at Ron DeSantis and I go, I'd like to trust you, but I don't. Me, sitting all the way up here in Montana, I look down at Texas and I go, you know, look at Ted Cruz and I go, I'd like to trust you, but I don't. I don't even have to trust Donald Trump. I don't even care. As long as I can sit and watch his rallies and his speeches and have a nice bag of popcorn and some and some soda and just be entertained. I'm OK with that. Because I thought it was laudable that he wanted to do all of the things that he wanted to do. And I also kind of knew that he wouldn't. I knew that he wasn't going to be able to do all that stuff. I knew we'd never get the support. And some of the stuff I was horrified by. And weirdly enough, that crap worked. It was just like, hey, wow, that's 
a surprise? Because even, well, let me ask you this. How many celebrities ever have gone to the White House and held a private meeting with the president to talk about an issue that they personally feel really committed to? I don't remember. Now, it may have happened under George W. Bush, and it may have happened under Barack Obama. And if it did happen under Barack Obama, the reason why I probably don't remember it is because I disagreed with the perspective. But it happened several times with Donald Trump. And there was attention brought to those issues. Did they fix him? No. I mean, let's be real. But it was worth watching. I'm like, oh, how could you possibly support this, that, and the other? You're, you're basically saying we should write off the federal government. Yes, I've been saying that for months. I've been saying that, what, since last no, since at least a year and a half. I mean, well before, well before the presidential election. And I did, and I had skin in the game. I wanted, I wanted one person to win that one. And he didn't. Was he perfect? No. Was he good? Meh. Was he okay? Sure. Was he bad? Meh. Probably not. Was he the worst thing ever? No. Certainly certainly wasn't as bad as what we're going through now. Like, seriously, objectively speaking. Do we still have abortion now? Yes. Do we still have an abortion industry? An industry that makes money off of off of the dead babies? Yes. Did we then? Yes. Has anything really changed? No, except for more people are paying attention. Did we know the government was as broken as we now know? Most of us did not. Some of us suspect, most of it, like a lot of us suspected, you look and you go, oh, there's no way. Like there's that healthy skepticism that we all used to look at with the government. And some of us now know that there's absolutely nothing that you can trust out of the government, particularly the federal government. And it's worth knowing that. It's worth knowing that there are a lot of people out there who share that sentiment. Are they necessarily going to help me in my time of need? No. Am I necessarily going to help them in their time of need? Who knows? I don't even know if I'll have the opportunity. But it's nice to know that they're out there. It's nice to know that we're not alone. It's nice to know that there's still a core of people who are pushing back against the vaccine mandates and the overreach of this totalitarian state. And it's mostly nice to know that to know that no, I have not lost my ever-loving mind. And that's enough. As I work out my salvation, that's enough.
I hope at some point that's going to be enough for you too. Because at some point that may be all that we have. Is knowing that the world is actually out to get us. We already knew the devil was out to get us. But most of us, whether or not we believe it, we don't necessarily want to believe that the world's out to get us. And we certainly don't even want, and we certainly do not want to believe that our own flesh is out to get us. How could I possibly be out to get myself? Except that I am, because I, you know, I have temporal, material, fleshly desires. But I don't want to believe that the world is out to get me. Except, except for the really obvious thing that I've aligned my, that I've decided that I'm going to do everything I can to align myself with the will of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so therefore, ipso facto, the world is out to get me because it was out to get him. But it's better to know, to see it, to be able to say, to, to be able to actually pull up the documents and go, see, here's the proof. They hate Catholicism. They think that we're far right radical crazies. They think that we're evil. Because that's easier to help, that, like no joke, knowing that they believe that actually makes it easier for me to carry on. I don't know how it does for you. In truth, I'd like to know. Now, if it's weird that this is actually carrying on and I seem to be trying to expound in, in an almost repetitive way, I'm going to say, if you made it this far, it's because what I noticed in looking at my analytics is that the longer podcasts, for some reason, do better. So I figured I'd go ahead and occupy some more of your time. And hopefully, actually, you know, help you go to sleep or whatever. <laughs> if you do have a specific response to that, let me know. Do you prefer the longer ones or the shorter ones? You can email me, radiofreecatholic at gmail.com. You can DM me on Twitter at Mighty Colibri. You can also find me on SP3RN at Caleb the Mechanic, although admittedly I have been absolutely horrifyingly bad at remembering to sweep through SP3RN to check the, to check the regular updates. But I can be reached on there, and I will get the message. Anybody, like, if you send me a direct message, usually it's pretty good about sending me that message within a couple hours. <clears throat> but I can be found on all of those. Let me know. Do you like the longer ones, or would you prefer the shorter ones? Or do you not care as long as I do, sit, you know, an hour, at least an hour, so this way, you know, you get whatever. Let me know. As it stands right now, I've actually exhausted this topic, so I'm going to go ahead and cut loose. And simply remind you, they are out to get us. We're not paranoid. Our Lord told us so. So it shouldn't even be a surprise. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.